Hello, and welcome to the Mothers of All Crime. This is a podcast where we deep dive into mothers involved in infamous crimes and scandals. I'm Monica, and this is Crystal. So this week, we have a little bit of a spin on what a mother is, and we're going to talk about Mother Naomi Jeffs from the FLDS. Uh, one of my favorite topics, the FLDS. They're, so excited. They're interesting. And there's so many offsets that came from the FLDS too, which I'm sure we'll talk about in future episodes. But this is oh, the definitely. original foundation that the Mormon church eventually came from too. Um, the fundamentalist Latter-day Saints. Oh, that's interesting that you phrase it like that. Because I feel like Mormons try to spin it like the FLDS broke off from them. But you're right. The FLDS stayed true and the Mormon church did their, did something different. So Yeah, and it's one of those, like, they don't want to admit to that connection. Because like, mm-hmm. the FLDS does a lot of stuff now that is illegal. Right. And... When that split happened, basically, the state of Utah made polygamy illegal. And that's kind of when that split happened of the modern day Mormon church became more mainstream and followed the law. And the FLDS went the direction of, no, this is our faith. It's a fundamental part of our faith is living polygamy. And we're going to continue to do that. And they kind of stopped in that time period and just stayed very traditional to what Joseph Smith. Right. Well, I mean, to be fair to the FLDS, they are following the Book of Mormon when it comes to the principle of plural marriage. And the Mormon church has just removed that doctrine. But they still use the same book Mm -hmm. and they still revere Joseph Smith as a prophet so to me, it's always been a little confusing that he's the prophet, but he's still wrong, I guess, about polygamy in the eyes of the modern day Mormon church. But in, when you listen to current and no longer current Mormons, it's interesting their perspective of how they justify it in their mm-hmm. minds, um, which will be kind of fun to in a later episode get into because it, that's a whole, whole spiral that we'll get into. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I think you could probably look at most religions or most groups of people that have all of these ideals that if they don't age very well, you kind of have to evolve or you have to really stick to your guns. And either way, it's going to be difficult. It's going to cause some controversy and some problems kind of undermines the whole thing, Mm -hmm. in my opinion. Yeah, no, absolutely. And like you said, so the FLD is one of their foundational beliefs is that of plural marriage. Mm-hmm. And in order to get to the highest level of heaven, you needed at least three wives. And in their communities, in order to get a position of leadership, you needed seven. So pretty much the more wives you had, the more powerful you are, the more upstanding you were in your community. They Basically, the more you had, the better off you were in your circumstance. Yes, definitely true. Which, right off the bat, presents some issues numbers-wise. Um, because if every man has multiple wives and the birth rate is roughly 50, 50 of male and female babies, and they don't marry outside of their faith, that there are not going to be enough girls for all the boys that are being born. 
Absolutely. And one thing that the FLDS is amazing at is construction. Mm-hmm. And they are hard workers and they actually have a lot of contracts with very large companies to do work for them because they have this, like you said, and crazy amount of extra young men, boys that are sent off to these job sites so that they don't take up the young girls and the girls who are eligible to have babies for the older men. And so they just send them out or they're banished from the community, which we'll get into later because that it's... kind of started once Warren Jeffs took over. Yeah, I mean, it definitely was happening to some extent prior to that, but I think that we're going to see as we talk about the FLDS that it was always an extreme group. They was they were fundamental in their beliefs and they were always quite insular and quite extreme, but under the rule of Warren Jeffs, it got way stricter, way tighter and everything kind of spiraled a bit and there was definitely a lot of boys being cast out in numbers that they hadn't seen before in the FLDS. So there have been so many leaders, but the one we'll start with is Ruan Jeffs. Okay. He was the prophet from 86 to 2002. Mm-hmm. And he himself had a number of wives. And one of them was Naomi Jeffs, who is our mother this week. Yes. So, she was 18 when she became his 17th wife. When he was yeah, 83. And so she herself had six moms. Um, right. Her father was Frederick Jessup. She was the 14th um, child, I think, or was it her mother's 14th child? I thought I she remember. was the 14th child, but it's honestly hard to keep track because she had so many siblings. Oh, yeah. Her biological mother had 16 kids. Not counting the other five moms. So if you can imagine what the chaos of that household is, these homes are massive because you have children taking care of other children because mom has another child. So there's that multi-layer. The minute that these girls are born, they are taught how to clean, how to cook, and how to be a mom. Definitely true. She does talk extensively about raising her younger siblings so I think that I mean I guess she had tons of younger siblings but just from her mom alone (laughs) there was just so Mm -hmm. many so many babies to take care of as a very young teenager yeah and you see pictures of like little kids like entry school kids walking around with like infants and just very naturally which in like modern society and communities the idea of giving your infant to like a little kid is like not unheard of but like you look at these communities and if you had been taught that from day one on how to take care of something you're gonna be comfortable with it so it's a weird kind of concept that you have to kind of keep in the back of your head in a community like this that that's normal to them yeah it definitely rises out of necessity because even if you have five mothers, six mothers, there's still not enough people to take care of all the kids. So you have to recruit okay. the older children to be parenting, which I'm sure that they were capable of doing, but I think that it's not, you're not going to have a childhood if you're also parenting. Right, exactly. So Naomi was really parenting from a very, very young age. Yeah. 
and kind of stepped into that motherly role. Mm -hmm. Um, But when she got married at 18, she was the 17th wife of the prophet. And he was 83 years old with some serious health issues. And he wasn't able to have any more children because of those health issues. Right. So for a girl raised in a community that your pretty much purpose is to be a wife and a mother, that's devastating. Yeah. You can't have biological children of your own. But she kind of went the avenue of, okay, well, she became a teacher and a midwife assistant and a grandmother to his existing grandchildren. Like, she took that role on as well as she could, I think. Yeah, I mean, she acquired 65 spiritual children when she married him. She was called mother by his kids and grandmother by his grandchildren because in the FLDS, that's just how it works. Um, So she was a motherly role in a lot of senses, but yeah, she didn't have biological kids and she thought that that was because her husband was 83, which I think is a fair assumption for her to make initially. Um, she mentioned that she had wanted to go to nursing school and it seems like as soon as she mentioned those plans to her parents, she was married off to the prophet. And it was interesting when her testimony of it is her family was very on board with it and they were like, yeah, you could totally go, but you just have to get approval from the prophet. And I think that's kind of that dynamic of where things split and there's a lot of men who are no longer in the FLDS um, that were raised there during Rulon's time and the time before mm-hmm. who are like oh yeah like we allowed our kids to get educated with certain categories of things they had a lot more control over their families but I think when you have girls wanting to go off out of the community to get educated for things it's a lot more of a concern because again, then you're losing a wife, you're losing a mother, you're losing 10 plus babies to come into your community. So when they heard that she wanted to do that, it was, nope, we gotta get her married. Because once she's married, she's stuck. It's kind of their mindset for it. I definitely agree with that. I read several memoirs of people who have left the FLDS and it seems to be a common theme that as girls are reaching an age and a time in their lives where they're seeking some independence that they're immediately married off and forcibly impregnated if that's possible. And it makes sense on the cult's end because it keeps them very locked in. It makes it way less likely that they're going to leave soon or ever, because if you got someone married at 18 and they don't have an education and they've never worked and they have 10 babies in 12 years when they look at their lives when they're 30 and they have all of these children and they don't have their own financial resources, it's going to be nearly impossible to leave. There are people who have done it, but it's Mm -hmm. very, very hard. Yeah. And it's that conditional grooming and mental understanding of the outside world is dangerous there Mm -hmm. and you're going to get hurt and you'll never be able to do it. So it's like, why would you, you end up having to make that decision of, is what I'm living worse than everything I've been told and having to make that under idea of, I would rather go to hell than the place that I'm living. Cause that's what happens. If you leave the community, you are condemned to hell. There are so many strict guidelines 
and moving targets that you need to follow to go to heaven at all, let alone the stage that you're trying to get to, the level that you're trying to get to. It's so easy to be, to fall short of the mark. So I think, I mean, there's just so much pressure on everyone in the FLDS to conform because the living prophet decides so much of your life. So you're just kind of waiting for instruction. Yeah, absolutely. And so during her marriage to Rulon, he ended up having a pretty horrible stroke, mm-hmm. which kind of debilitated him from performing as he should as a leader. Right. And one of his sons, Warren, kind of stepped into that role. And Warren was the principal at the time of Alter Academy. Um, he was definitely one of more of the favorite children of Mulan, but he definitely was not the eldest. He definitely mm-hmm. was not the one in the highest power. He wasn't someone who had a ton of control already, but when Mulan got sick, Warren kind of stepped in and started giving commandments and passing on revelations that his father had and making rules of who could talk to his father at certain times, including when his own wives and siblings and children could come visit him. And Definitely. that was kind of the start of like Warren taking power. Warren, I think just saw an opportunity and it looked probably initially like he was very concerned about his father and just wanted to advocate for him and take care of him. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it quickly escalated to Warren speaking for Rulon all the time. Yeah. And really I on the pulpit. My perspective for it is this is when he started also like putting out his own words under the like facade of it being his father. Mm-hmm. And because his father couldn't come out and challenge him on it. There was no one to say, I didn't say that. I didn't want that. Warren just could come up and say, father had a revelation from God that this, this, and this has to happen. But his father was incapable of saying, I didn't do that. Like, so I think he started, yes, doing some of what his father, Ruan, was saying, but I also think he started slipping in things that eventually set him up for the power he was about to take. I think that's a good way to phrase it. Basically, Warren's whole life, he was just seeing how much he could get away with and pushing, 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 pushing a little bit more. And he definitely did that with his dad. And then by the end, he's just speaking what he wants to say and just putting his dad's name to it. And then if you question what Warren says, you're questioning his father, who's the prophet. So then you're questioning God. Mm-hmm. And, and you can't. And you that. never question the prophet. No, you, you can't. Never question, like, no, ever. you can't question the prophet. He speaks for God on earth. Mm-hmm. And this went on for a little while, and Warren interestingly started marrying Ruban to a bunch of young girls, like 16-year-old girls that over and over, and like, Ruan kind of was like, in that stance of like, why am I getting married to all these women? Like, I don't understand. Like, it even got to the point that Ruan himself was like, I'm not doing this anymore, what are you doing? Like, because it was all Warren's direction of getting these girls, quote, like, off the market in a way. Yes, he definitely did that. And Rulon, even in his post-stroke adult state, was questioning it. 
and refusing to marry more because he doesn't need so many mm-hmm. teenage brides in his 80s when he's incapacitated. Right. And then he ended up passing in 2002 with mm-hmm. 65 wives. Which, if you remember, when Naomi married him, she was the 17th wife. Right. So that number jumped very drastically in a relatively quick time period. Yeah, I mean, Warren wasn't messing around. He'd get married to multiple people in the same day. Mm-hmm. 65 wives. Crazy. It was so interesting when you, like, listen to testimonies of Ruan and, like, how he handled before Warren came involved, mm-hmm. how he handled the community. And like yeah. people generally liked him. It seemed that he really prioritized the needs of his community and took the time to get to know people. And there's families that were very much like, he was referred to as like Uncle Ruin and he cared about the people very much. Underage marriages, they happened, but they were a lot more rare. Like, the average age when he was doing it was 18 to 24. Every once in a while, like, a 16-year-old would be thrown in there. But it wasn't the norm until Warren started kind of implementing. And the underage just jumped at that point. That's true. But Most of Roland's daughters were married in their 20s. Right, yeah. And, like, the one thing that a lot of families particularly a lot of wives thought was really cute for rulon was he had these there's a saying in the um community of keeping sweet for the Mm -hmm. women and he used to have shoes that on one foot set on the like sole of the shoe said keep and the other one said sweet and so when he would sit there it was like you could see the shoes like sitting up on his chair with like his grandkids around him there's pictures of it and it does seem kind of cute and sweet and like if you kind of think about what keep sweet means in the long run, yeah, not great. <laughs> but like, yeah, that's what I was just thinking. <laughs> it's that like, I think it was more of just like, uh, he truly embraced where he was from and he wanted like the best for his community. Don't get me wrong. He had plenty of issues, but I think the people seemed to be very happy. The families could run their families how they wanted to. And there was very much, this is my family, here's your wives, great. But no one, like families weren't being broken up. Right. You kind of have somewhat control of your own household, your own finances, you could have independent companies. Like there was a lot more of that family dynamic under Ruin. Agreed, agreed. And so when he died, women basically get reassigned to a new husband because that's your job. Your job is to be a wife and a mother. And they were all kind of like, all right, where do they go next? Mm-hmm. And at this point, that's when Naomi kind of stepped in and was like, I, she started being like, okay, she sees Warren as the next prophet. She claims that she had a revelation and she saw him and Rulon and actually stood up in church and gave testimony that she believes Warren is the next prophet. That's true. She had a very compelling firsthand account where she saw Rulon's face on Warren's face and they were one person, they were one prophet and she had this incredible revelation and gave her testimony of it. 
which is crazy to think about because in this community women are second class they don't go up and provide testimony they don't go preach that that's was almost unheard of at this point having a woman go up and say something like that so i think that was also kind of that strange start of mm -hmm. why is mother my only talking right now <laughs> like but it reinforced warren's claim of him becoming the next prophet yes and warren spent a lot of time after his father died saying that you know nobody better come after father's wives and everybody better you know hands off the widows like and then mm -hmm. all of a sudden he's marrying them <laughs> and yeah. what did he marry seven of them yeah in like a secret ceremony so he warren officially became prophet in september of 2002 mm -hmm. and he secretly married seven of his quote mothers mm -hmm. and seven of his father's wives That's in true. secret and then went to church in October of 20, 2002 and asked his wives to stand up and that's how he told the congregation that oh look I married seven of my moms Ugh. and that's I think when a lot of the older men in the community who are, had been around for a while were like this is weird like <laughs> It's one thing to like reassign the wives to like a brother of their husband or another member of leadership, but to marry your own mom, they were like, it's weird. Like this was the level one of being like, mm, ick, nope. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it gave a lot of people the ick for sure. But again, if Warren is the prophet, then he is not ever making decisions that he shouldn't and he everything he says is righteous and holy and everything he does is exactly what he's supposed to be doing so it's hard to question it really he didn't get a lot of pushback yeah and those who did push back again were the men of leadership or men of prestige in their community and all of a sudden if someone spoke out they were being kicked out of the communities and Rulon, not Rulon, excuse me, Warren would get revelations of the crimes and sins of these men and in church would read out a list of names and be like, you are not to say goodbye to your families. You are not to say goodbye to your children. You are to get up right now and leave and never come back and just exile men from the community that he felt threatened by or who challenged him in any way. He was stripping men of their wives, their kids, their power, their homes, their businesses, their assets, everything, because it really all belongs to the church. So right. Warren had the absolute, trust. right, everything, Warren had the power to take away everything, and he did. And so many men were taken from their families, and it's very hard for me to, like, feel a lot of sympathy for them, but I kind of do in this situation. I think there was a lot of people who were blindsided and deeply rocked by this situation and I think looking back it's clear that Warren was threatened by having other men in positions of power and was trying to get rid of as many as possible mm -hmm. absolutely and as time kind of went things just started changing mm -hmm. and some of the men that did leave actually ended up going to 
a local police department and making some complaints because they were concerned about the community, which is strange to think about because they had been taught their whole lives that the police departments are dangerous. They're not to be trusted. They are going to persecute you. And like, they managed to find it in themselves. They're like, I'm willing to go to this place that is apparently horrible and these people are going to hurt me because I'm concerned about my family, my friends, my children. And Warren got the subpoena and basically was like, eh, I'm not going to that. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, the laws of this country don't really apply to Warren Jeffs, if you ask him, because he is under the much higher authority of God. So he didn't right. really recognize outside authority like that. Yeah. However, he's Warren is smart, and I do have to give that to him. Sure. Um, that he is smart enough that he realizes that because the police are now looking at him, he needs to be careful. And he kind of started to become paranoid at this point. So he left the property to go find Zion, which is the place that they believe is going to, the holiest of people will be there and will be lifted up and saved while the earth is cleansed and they will come back and be able to continue to live under the true way of God. Yes. So they pick this land in Texas, which Warren was inspired. He felt, you know, this is the place, but it also happens to be the state that at the time had the youngest consent laws in America and also where it was legal to get married at the age of 14. So, I mean, it was a really convenient coincidence for him that that was all in one place. Oh, yeah, for sure. So they start and <laughs> some people building Zion. That's why he did it. Yeah, I think so. To consent there. Definitely, I think so. <laughs> oh, yeah. And so he, they went and they purchased that land for $700,000, which was a shocking number for me the first time I heard it, just because... You think of the, you look at pictures of this community and they live such a like simple life mm. and there's so many mouths to feed and they're very self-sustaining, which is one thing. But then you kind of forget how many large corporations that they're involved with and construction work and they turn over everything to the church. Every penny they make goes back to the church. So when you start thinking about the number of people that there are and the work, you're like, okay, I guess that number isn't as big as I originally thought it was when you look at the work and the population. I mean, financially, the way that the, that Warren was running the FLDS anyway was extremely profitable for him. Like he came into a lot of money because mm-hmm. all of the tithes were going to him all of the businesses were going to him and he had so much access to free labor that it, I don't think it was a big amount of money to him at all. They weren't really giving back to their members in their community. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, So during this time when he was pretty much on the run, he was out with Naomi and his brother Lyle. Uh, Naomi at this point had became his scribe 
Mm-hmm. And her job basically was to document every word, action, movement that Warren did. And as a group, the Mormons are very meticulous about their records and their history and other people's history. It's very impressive. Um, mm-hmm. And the FLDS is no different. They, if anything, more intense because they're doing Warren's every waking moment, <laughs> which ends up to kind of circle and bite him in the butt later. But Yeah. I mean, I guess if you think that everything you're doing is directed by God and is for a higher purpose and is unquestionable, then of course you want to document it for history. But when it comes to using this stuff as evidence, it was very helpful for that as well. And Naomi did a great job and she really documented every waking second of his life. Oh yeah. She did an amazing job Mm -hmm. for sure. Um, And so once they picked this property, they started constructing um, different homes for Warren and his family, homes for the selected people who were worthy to come, as well as the temple. And the people that were coming here, it was very hush-hush. Nobody really knew where it was. You had to be selected by the prophet to come. And people would just disappear in the middle of the night and like mothers would go to sleep and wake up and their children would just be gone because they had been selected by zion and would be brought and reassigned to a new family with a worthy caretaker or a worthy mother and that mother was no longer their mother which is crazy to think about because families just got ripped apart I think it probably brought up a lot of conflicting feelings for those moms because on one end, they're actually happy that their children are being picked for Zion because the the people who make it to Zion are the only ones that are going to go to heaven. So it's an honor for your child to be chosen, but it's obviously a slap in the face to be left behind and to lose your kid. So yeah, I think people had a lot of mixed emotions. Yeah. And so because of that, the property ended up being predominantly women and children Mm -hmm. and more. So he was bopping around the country basically while they were, people were pulling 22 hour days to build this property up for him. And he was off like with Naomi and his brother being a tourist. He was wearing plain English clothes. He was going to Disney, New Orleans, strip clubs. Like, he was living it up. Driving sports cars, wearing red. He was doing, breaking all his own rules. Because as time goes by, Warren is creating stricter and stricter rules for the community that he does not have to follow himself. Mm -hmm. But the community didn't know that either. That's true. They were told that Warren was out cleansing areas and looking for like holiness and all these things different and basically also told he was on the run they he was avoiding law enforcement because they were trying to persecute him like they did Joseph Smith exactly and 
but he would come back. And I think that's important for him as a leader to maintain his control. He would come back to the community, see some people, because he's the only one who could perform marriages. So he'd come back, he'd get married himself, he'd marry off some people, um, either in Texas or in Nevada, because Nevada also had a very young age of consent law. It was 14, but you had to have parental consent in that mm-hmm. state. And there were people who Warren would meet in Nevada in like motel rooms, and he would perform marriages in these motel rooms where these 14 year old, 15 year old, and their parents would show up, the weddings would happen, and then they would be gone. And that would, because it was legal, because their parents were present. But they, the consent becomes gray when if you don't consent to your child being married, there were serious consequences for you. And basically your family would be ripped apart. Consent under duress. Right. And one of those marriages um, in a motel room was a 14 year old, Elise Wall, who was married to her 19 year old cousin, Alan. Um, and she made it, she hated her cousin. She yes. was very well known. Um, and she, after, like in this motel room, was begging her mother not to let it happen. And there's a conversation of, that she gave, basically saying that her mother came over and just squeezed her hand so tight. And in that moment, she realized that if she didn't do it, she was doing it for her family and to save her family and less about her life and she would go to Warren asking for help regularly and he would just tell her to be submissive to her husband it was her duty as a wife to bear children and (sighs) pretty much encouraged Alan to take what he deserved in a graceful way of putting it yes that was in 2005 Right. Well, Warren thought all of their marital problems could be solved by making some babies. And that was his counsel that he gave to them, basically giving her cousin permission to rape her. Because that's his wife. Mm-hmm. And she actually ended up escaping from the community mm-hmm. um, later on. And she testifies in his trial. Um but in January 2006, Utah actually charged him with first-degree felony of rape as an accomplice. And that's truly when he kind of like went into hiding and went on the run because mm-hmm. he knew this was real now. This wasn't right. just a lawsuit coming through or a disgruntled person who left. This is serious. And this is, again, where he's smart enough to know, okay, there's now consequences. Because he knew he was guilty. There's no question. He knew. He knew he was guilty. And we know that because he told people that he was with that if he was caught, he would never get out of prison. So, I mean, I'm sure that he spun it like, well, I know he did tell people that it was because he wouldn't be able to get a fair trial. And he would get the same outcome as Joseph Smith, essentially, who was assassinated. But, I, I mean, I think he just knew 
that in a court of law, he was going to be guilty, 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 and he didn't want to go to jail. Yeah. And I think there was also a fear, and this isn't anywhere, this is just me speculating, Mm -hmm. of he knew what he had done already, and I don't think he knew, because so the victim at the time was just Jane Doe in all the paperwork, and he had had so many historical issues that nobody knew about at the time with himself as a predator towards these small children i don't think he knew what they were coming after him for oh because you have this case where it was just jane doe and a marriage but he didn't know was it someone that he personally assaulted as a child was it someone that he married and then assaulted like he had i don't think any clue how much they knew he just knew they knew something and that's where the fear truly was how terrible (laughs) there's just so many crimes i've committed i don't even know which one this is about right because now years later we know there's multiple people from when he was the uh, principal at Ulster Academy that one of his own wives was one of his students that he kind of groomed to caring about him. But there's testimonies and memoirs and interviews of girls and boys who were very young, who he sexually assaulted in bathrooms and his office, his own daughter yeah, his own siblings, and, his own kids. His siblings, mm-hmm. Yep. And I don't he think he knew predator. He is what a predator. They knew. And going back at, look at Zion. All of, the majority of the people there were children without their mothers. Mm-hmm. Or their biological mothers. Right. Which kind of increased his victim pool, really. So whenever he'd go back, he had access to all of these people with no countermeasures. Right. So as he's on his run, May 2006, he officially became one of the most wanted people in the. He, he made the list, which yeah. is crazy to think about compared to who else is on that list. I know. He was truly on the lamb, though, on the run. Oh, yeah. And he had hundreds of thousands of dollars to support him on the run so it wasn't hard for him to kind of get around yeah i think it was a pretty nice vacation all in all and i know that the tithes in the temple were still going all to him and people were collecting money for him and sending him letters of support it was looked at as a spiritual mission that he was on and a complete necessity that he avoid this unjust persecution from the law Oh, he he had a lot of support. Oh, yeah. And people started to get squeezed. So like you said, everything was already going to the prophet before this. But Mm. then people started being like squeezed of, well, you can come up with more. Mm -hmm. And they were doing everything in their power to get every last penny they could to send to him to help him. Because they thought they were going to, they were protecting him. They had no idea he was out living it up (laughs) like spending it furiously and doing whatever he wanted um and he was on the run for a pretty decent amount of time all things considered 
And while he was on the run, he'd pop back to the YFC rants every once in a while. And during one of those trips in July 2006, he took a new wife. Mm-hmm. He took Marianne Jessup, who was <sighs> Naomi's little sister. Mm-hmm. Um, she who she raised Marianne. Um, she was right. 16 years older than her. She was basically this girl's mother because, like we talked about before, there's so many kids that the older siblings end up being mother figures to their younger siblings. And Marianne was 12 years old when she got married to Warren. Yes. And Naomi was present. She was. And um, I mean, I don't I don't know. I think that this is where Naomi starts to lose me. Honestly. Um, Because she was giving her 12 year old sister, you know, advice on how to be a good heavenly wife to their shared husband. Mm -hmm. And um, which. Yeah. Ew. I know. (laughs) I know. I mean, even in Preaching Evil on Peacock that I just watched, Naomi is present day, basically, still talking about how her sister really wanted to marry Warren. It's like she was 12. What are you talking about? And when when one of her examples was like, oh, yeah, she would write in like all the night, all the time, like marrying in Jeffs. But come on, like if you're a little girl and you're told that this man is basically God or the, of course you're going to idolize him. It makes total sense. But just because you idolize him doesn't mean you want to get married. And at 12 years old, she's she's a baby. (laughs) I know. It's it's so crazy that 14 is not even young enough for him. Right. I mean, at that point, 14 is like so old. I think he had done so many younger ones in mm-hmm. secret, which we now know he did. I think he was just slowly working backwards to condition people to have it not be as shocking. Because the 12-year-old, there are plenty of people that were like, ooh, I was very uncomfortable with it, but, you know, God said it was to be so. Right. And at that point, they had been conditioned to he just went younger and younger and younger. So like, yeah, they felt icky about it, but they were like, all right, well, I guess like, I think he just was going to slowly keep working backwards. Yeah. If, if I he mean, could have, he's a button pusher. He's a nudger. Like he just, Warren just kept going a little bit more extreme, a little bit at a time. And he was just continuously getting away with it. So why not keep going? Right. Um, And so after he got married, he went back on the run. And about a month later, they were pulled over um, a little bit outside of Las Vegas. And he was arrested along with Naomi and his brother, Lyle, because he was finally, they finally put two to two together on who he was when he got pulled over. And Naomi at the time was begging for them to release Jeffs and let her be take the fall of because you know he's a husband and he's a father and he needs to be there for everybody because he's been so present lately. Right. <laughs> like, well, he's the prophet. They need him, and Naomi's just her. 
and she was, you know, complicit and was involved in a lot of these crimes. So probably they should have all just stayed arrested. <laughs> Which is wild because they let her and Lyle go two days later, no charges, mm-hmm. completely free. And still no charges have been filed against Naomi. And that's so shocking to me because I wonder if it's just that like they wanted the bigger fish, which I totally agree with. But the fact that she never to this day had any charges is shocking. Because like we talked about, she was a scribe. She wasn't for anything. The weddings, the like heavenly sessions which we'll talk about um the criminal acts money like she was there for all of it she noted everything yet was never held responsible well i guess she was just there documenting it is what her version Mm -hmm. of events are but i i don't know that i agree with that yeah so Warren was taken in, in, he was arraigned, he was held in Purgatory Correctional Facility, which I think is a little ironic. <laughs> yeah, I, I do like that a lot. Um, and he, I think, had the first time in his life was in this, a circumstance that he had no control in, mm-hmm. where like he got put in protective custody because everybody knew who he was, but right. also people were mean to him like oh baby like (laughs) i know so sad and he spiraled he got to a point where he was actually telling people that he made it all up he wasn't the prophet and he attempted suicide in his jail cell yeah he did um the videos of him talking to his family are absolutely chilling and mm-hmm. like the one where he's telling, I think it's Nephi, his uh, one of his brothers, he's telling him, I'm not the prophet, like I'm a terrible person and I'm not the prophet and this has all been fake. And you can just see his brother's brain exploding essentially as he's trying to process this. And he's just adamantly, no, you are, you are the prophet. You are the prophet. Why are you saying that? This is a test. Yeah. And that's how conditioned and again, he had everybody. Condition. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of oh, where I fall crazy. with Naomi is like, I don't know that I want to blame her or Nephi because I feel like they're victims of the circumstance as well and that they've been brainwashed. But at the same time, Warren was also indoctrinated into the same cult. And so maybe these are all just these terrible reactions that happen to people who are born in these closed communities in these like insane systems. And then maybe Warren is also a victim of the FLDS. I know he made it worse and he, you know, obviously added a lot of trauma and problems, but if he had been given an opportunity to have a normal life, maybe things would have been a lot different for him as well. Yeah. I mean, I think with some people, I can get on board with that. But with Naomi, like, even it just took her longer. But she eventually did start to go, was that what I was taught? Did other prophets that she had lived through Mm -hmm. say the same thing? So I think it was that to a degree, 
absolutely right. It's brainwashing and conditioning. But there were so many people that stood up and were like, hold on, this is so different than what we had always been taught and always had lived. Why is it now what God wants? And she could have also done that same thing of, I'm sorry, it's never been a time where a 12 year old is considered a bride and not said something. But instead, she stood by and supported his actions. So I don't know, because I have like, I have a couple trains of thought on this, but I think that Warren was warped by his upbringing. And I think maybe inherently there was some things not right with him. Um, But I think that his upbringing warped him. I don't actually think he really believed in like his father being the prophet or God in general or the religion. I don't think he really believed in any of that, but he grew up in this system where everyone believed it so adamantly that if you are a manipulative person, it's so easy to use that to your advantage. And I think like being brought up in a system like that, let someone like Warren who is intelligent and is manipulative and is questioning his own faith and reality. It just gave him a perfect opportunity to lie and manipulate everybody with his own version of this thing that he doesn't believe anyway if it's all made up it's very easy to twist it oh yeah and if you know what people believe all you Mm -hmm. have to do is just manipulate it a little yeah there's no question he was a smart man so that's very possible um but what i thought was so interesting for him is i do think he believed in some of it and because like it's hard to live and be brought up in a community like that that you don't have some belief in it. Um, I don't know because I feel like you hate yourself well, for not believing it. Is. And he yeah. seems like he hates himself. And again, like that whole like, thing that he attempted suicide is in their community. They didn't believe that he did it. They believed that it was a lie and a rumor. And like because suicide is worse than murder in that community you don't do that right and there's something called the blood atonement Mm -hmm. um and i don't know if i know some sects of polygamous groups believe in this and used to practice but i don't know if the flds at this point still have that in their doctrine um the blood atonement basically is just you can justly spill blood to atone for someone's sins um and that is acceptable so you could kill someone in the name of god and their sins but you can't kill yourself and it's interesting that he chose to try to commit suicide to get out of the repercussions of his actions yeah because i don't really think that he felt I think, so I don't know. My thought, which I could be totally wrong, I think Warren the whole time knew that he was not the prophet. I don't know if he believed that anyone else was the prophet or that it was possible to be the prophet, but I think that he knew 100% that he was not the prophet. And I think he also knew that none of the teachings were that important to him because he was willing to change all of them to his own end. So I think... At that point in prison attempting suicide, he's so far away 
from his life as a prophet, but I don't even think he thinks any of those rules really apply to him. And I don't think that he thinks that there's this horrible spiritual damnation coming for him either. I think he wanted an out. I don't think he wanted to be in prison and he was not going to stand by his convictions because they weren't real anyway. And that's what he's telling everyone is that I'm not the prophet. I'm not the prophet. This was all bullshit. And then he's trying to take, he's trying to take an exit out. And his only real option at that point, because he was not able to break out of jail was to try to kill himself, which he also wasn't ultimately able to do. So he just doesn't have any options. Yeah. Yeah. And he pretty much cut everybody off for like two months and until his trial started. But then Mm -hmm. once his trial started, all of a sudden he was the prophet again. And you're right. That was a test. Mm -hmm. Support me, pray for me. And he started implementing all these other rules to get him out of prison. He pretty much told the community that if they were righteous enough, he would be released back to them. Because they have no concept of the legal system. They don't understand how it works. Because if you're never taught, how do you know? Well, they were taught that if they prayed hard enough that he would come home. So that was their understanding Mm -hmm. of how it worked. And to this day, even after all of this, Warren still controls the FLDF. He is still in charge. Um, and But it, with his trial, he would have visitors, like you said, and Naomi was one of the people that would visit him. Um, and he ended up being found guilty in Utah for his charges and sentenced to prison. He was held there. And while he was in jail, there was a raid on the ranch from a caller claiming to be Sarah Barlow, who was an underage girl, married, pregnant, already had a baby. Um, And the Texas Rangers, game wardens, and Midwin Police Department showed up and over five days raided the entire community. Yes, and they found a lot of children they did find some very very young mothers who were assigned in marriage to old men um but they did not find sarah jessup barlow or whatever her name was because she was a crazy person that lived in colorado that was Mm -hmm. not there so she made it up but they did find a lot of people that fit the description and were doing the same stuff that just that person specifically did not exist. But children were seized and taken into state custody en masse, and it created a lot of public backlash. Mm -hmm. And Rebecca Jeffs, who was actually um, Rulon's 19th wife, Mm -hmm. she was also the sister of the girl that Warren was convicted in of Utah. Um, she had been brought in by the Texas Rangers as kind of a asset to help them understand the community Mm -hmm. because they wanted to be as respectful as possible because they understood that this was a holy place for them. But at the end of the day, they do have to execute the warrant. They do have to go through the property. And like, they tried their best and particularly with so many kids. And one thing that Rebecca told them about was 
somewhat as Rulon's wife, she had a lot of insight about how the higher families worked and like the secrets and the intricate stuff. And she made it very clear to them somewhere on that property, there's going to be a vault. In that vault is going to be records and documentations of everything you need. She, and she didn't know exactly what was in it, but she knew that it existed and it was somewhere there and from her time as being the prophet's wife. And they ended up finding that vault in the temple. And it took them, once they found it, it took them hours to get inside of it because they had to pretty much break through this massive vault to find eventually all of the evidence that was going to be used in the Texas trial. Mm -hmm. And you had that, again, those records. Mormons are great record keepers. And Naomi took great notes. She really did. (laughs) And they found um, a lot of that, for sure, in Zion. But they also found a bed in the temple, which they thought was pretty odd. And Ooh, it was so creepy. I know. Super and creepy. And for people who haven't seen it, you have to look it up. Um, it is... All, so the temple itself is all white. It is a beautiful structure. I gotta give them credit. Sure. For yeah, it is beautiful. building this over two years. This place is massive. And in this room, it was a all-white empty room it was a kind of like a semicircle shape with a bed in the middle with like kneelers next to it mm-hmm. and the bed was waist high with railings on the side of it Ugh. so creepy oh yeah and you have rangers giving testimony they're like you walked in and you, they're like you just felt that it was something was wrong they're like it was just creepy and having people in those positions be like you just felt the creepy like that's saying something (laughs) like something just was wrong um and along in that vault there were audio recordings that they also found of things that happened Mm -hmm. in that temple which are chilling Mm -hmm. so before we get into that though i think it's important to note that Utah actually overturned Warren's conviction on some jury instruction, Mm -hmm. which was shocking for the, not the FLDS community, but like the general community. Right. Because that's such a rare thing for that body to overturn something like that. Um, But there was a deal, this happened in 2010, that all right, well, then Texas will take them. And they extradited him to San Antonio, Texas to stand trial on one count of sexual assault of a child and one count of aggravated sexual assault of a child um, from the records that they found and talking to the girls and mothers and children from the ranch. Yeah, and they played audio recordings of his literal rape of a child for a jury in Texas. And um, he was convicted and he's serving life mm-hmm. in prison. And that has not been overturned yet. <laughs> Hopefully it won't be. Right. 
Yeah. So that 17 minute, no, excuse me, 14 minute recording was of his quote unquote wife, Marianne. Mm. Um, Naomi's and sister. He was performing a heavenly session in the temple room. And heavenly sessions, depending on who you ask, are different. Um, however, we're going to go with the majority's opinion. Right. Where it was pretty much acts of group sex of seven plus women, mainly his wives, um, that were in a room together and would perform sexual acts to Warren and to each other to help him come back because he would be atoning for the people's sins. And if they worked together, they could bring him back from the break of death. Yes. And he would give blessings to people during these moments, um, which pretty much from reading between the lines is when he decided to focus on you as an individual, you were getting a blessing. <sighs> versus God. him looking at it as a group. Right. And this was the recording that was played, this 12-year-old. And interestingly enough, Warren represented himself in this trial, which was stupid, but very <laughs> narcissistic of him. I, I still uh, can't believe he did that. Because, like, part of me is like, good, you're stupid enough to think that you're going to get your capable of getting away with this because he deserved to be in prison. Right. But the other part of me is like knowing the justice system, like if he had a legitimate lawyer that we know he could have paid for a really good attorney, um, that recording would have been thrown out and he probably actually wouldn't even be in jail. I don't really understand why he, think about. why he did that. I was trying to think about like why because he had attorneys for the previous trial and I just I feel like I mean he did a really bad job. I there think was one point where he was, he just was... stood silently. <laughs> right. Yeah. I was in peace. Yeah. The words he muttered for his closing statement. Right. Um. I think he was just so cocky that he wanted these attorneys to argue that he didn't do anything wrong mm -hmm. or argue like FLBS law. And they were like, no, we can't do that. And he was like, fine, I'll do it myself. Like, I don't think he realized that because he got away with one. I think he was like, oh, I'll just get away with the next one. I think that had that mentality. Yeah. Straight up delusional. Um, yeah. So his current release date is 2038 which would make him 83 years old when he gets released if he gets released um and also to mention the second victim for those crimes was rita keat who was another underage wife of his who had a baby and that's how they proved through like a dna test that the mm -hmm. baby was his which confirms that he had relations with her while she was underage because she it was a baby. It's pretty easy to prove when you have right. a living 
thing to like verify. Yeah, it's just a DNA test and it's a strict liability crime with statutory rape. It doesn't matter if she really wanted to marry you and she really wanted to have sex with you. If she's a minor, if she's not old enough to consent, then that's it. And then that's a strict liability Mm -hmm. rape and you're going to have a felony. And I I mean, to me, it's crazy that because he had a lot of his wives on birth control. And I think it's it would have been which is also against what they believe in. Yes, it is murder of a child. Mm -hmm. Right. Definitely. He also would not allow his wives to go to a hospital if there was complications in birth. And he lost at least one child during delivery during a very long, high-risk home birth that was failed. And the midwives were screaming, begging, crying for him to let her go to a hospital or be seen by a doctor, and he refused. And that's also should be illegal. Um, but, right. I mean, the rules again, apply it to brings him. outside people in. Right. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Right. But mean, a lot of people were on when... antidepressants as well, which was also not really kosher for their beliefs. But under Warren, mm-hmm. it was a huge boom in the amount of women that were prescribed antidepressants because it kept them more compliant. Compliant. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's what's so interesting is he picked and chosen when he wanted rules to apply. So like you said, a lot of the mm-hmm. medical stuff. And then there's the media aspect. Like until this kind of all this kind of blew up they were that quiet people that people knew existed but they didn't look into it all so you have these if you listen to recordings of the women because once those kids got taken in texas they took to the media and were begging for people to support them to bring their kids home and stuff like that and Mm -hmm. they all have this sweet quiet, passive voices, um, crying. And Rebecca kind of came out with a statement and it, she she was funny about it. It was, I think it was kind of comical where she's like, oh, it's an act. And she turned on that voice and she was like, this is how we're taught to speak and behave and compliance. And then she turned it back off and she was like, one of the women doing that testimony who claims that no underage marriages are happening, she's like, was the midwife for an underage girl while I was there. She's like, so she's like, no. And it's interesting, you listen, there's so many documentaries of effort to say yes, these women, they can turn on and off that voice. So again, it's something they're taught. And they turned it on when the media was on because they want that projection hey, you have to do whatever you can to get these kids back. Okay, turn it on. Poor little prairie wife whose children were stolen from her. Anyone's going to feel bad if you don't know the context. Interviews and documentaries that featured Naomi Jeffs, and she talks in that voice sometimes. Mm-hmm. Not all the time, but sometimes. And I And I feel like I was kind of lulled into a false sense of security by it because she sounds so innocent Mm -hmm. but i do think that she knew at least at the end she knew that warren was full of shit and that they were doing really serious very harmful things 
but I don't know if she was just too deep in it and couldn't see a way out or she was enjoying the ride and being a favorite wife, which is a huge position of power that was Mm -hmm. otherwise unachievable. And if she was bucking to Warren, she would have lost that immediately and he would have replaced her immediately. Um, But I think now she has a lot of, it's hard for her to take any kind of accountability without admitting to criminal stuff also because she did do illegal things and she did aid and abed him in rape and financial crimes and Mm -hmm. fleeing from the law and all of those things Mm -hmm. probably should have got her harboring a fugitive yeah oh absolutely and i think you hit the nail there where she just doesn't she was caught between like a rock and a hard place from her position Mm -hmm. of if she got removed from being the scribe she was in cape she didn't have any children she didn't have any other position she would be pretty much banished from if she like made him angry she'd be gone and there was nothing she would have anymore uh and i think that kind of came forward while he was in prison he ended up getting angry with her because she refused to do something and sent her to her house of hiding and she was alone, mm-hmm. completely isolated, in the middle of Colorado. She didn't even know where she actually was. Told to atone for her sins, and she was there for, I think, what was it, two years? I think it was two years. Just waiting to be told she could come back, when pretty much Warren wasn't mad at her anymore, mm-hmm. and this was an option that she was very aware of so what would you rather be the favorite wife that everyone was jealous of and be with your husband all the time and be by his side and support the prophet or alone in a house for god knows how long yeah i i mean it's an easy choice really but i Mm -hmm. i do think that I don't know. When they were on the run, it's hard to say that she had no other options. Right. Because she could have at any point. Here he is. The FBI's most wanted. Well, that's where that brain like washing comes into play. Yeah, that's true. Of she she was taught to do whatever don't question the prophet, protect him at all costs. And that's what she was doing until i think he got arrested and everything kind of started tumbling down when she started to kind of look at things but i think you're right where she still can't take accountability for it because i also think she's probably one of the smarter wives which is why she ends up in her position that she knows if she starts admitting to certain stuff that's when those criminal charges are going to come up right exactly and i think she's holding on to I was a victim and brainwashed to avoid said charges. Because even today, she believes that Warren is innocent on the charges for Marianne. She says it's her belief that nothing sexual ever happened. And Rita, it was an unjust and unfair ruling because she was mature for her age. She wanted to have a baby. 
and she was a wife. So it's fine. Oh my god. Doesn't matter how old she was. So wild. It but it's also she was just raised in this very I don't know, in a world where those things make sense. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy looking at her now and knowing that she's becoming a nurse and is living in this secular society and it's just it's so wild that she's I, I feel like she's underestimated and that's why she's not being held accountable and mm-hmm. she's just looked at as I don't know a little idiot a little wife that didn't know better and she was just told what to mm-hmm. do and she had no options and Warren's the real yeah. evil one which he is he definitely is Oh, yeah. They're both evil. I think he's just the mastermind, and that's where they wanted to, like, disassemble what he had made and the culture he had made. So they were like, all right, we might we have to focus on one. Right. But it surprises me that after they finished with that trial that they didn't go after Naomi. Because to this day, Warren is in charge, and he is in full control of that community. Oh, yeah. I do want um, to talk about that a little bit. <laughs> insane. About so, but like you mentioned, Naomi yeah. is out. But part of that is because he, like, banished her. Yeah, he told her they're divorced. Um, what, mm-hmm. She's a forever member, which basically right. means you're, like, unbaptized from the community. Dead and then <laughs> she, they're divorced, and you're not married to me anymore. Goodbye. Yeah. Dumped her. Wild. But then he was, he was doing that to a lot of people. Yeah, he was. And I'm curious what your thoughts are about like the new rules that he implemented since he has been in prison. So in my opinion, he kind of is like recreating his prison life for his followers. Um, so everything from he, everything needs to be homemade, every part of what you're wearing you can no longer eat sugar you can't eat certain types of food um certain colors aren't allowed to be worn um you are no longer allowed to have marital relations with your spouse which i think is a huge one because this community doesn't allow like outside members you can't join the fodf um and now you can't have any babies, in theory. <laughs> so I and think that... What are the rules? So many rules. So he's just being a dick. Wait, but they don't know that. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and he would make... He makes phone calls that they've developed like a speaker system. So when he calls from jail, it's broadcasted to like multiple homes in the community they're required to have a picture of him in every single room in the house they have to pray every hour for him to be released and brought forth because the only way for him to be released is if they are righteous enough and that's why he is in jail is because they're not doing good enough 
It's um, wild to me that people follow this with him being locked up. Mm -hmm. I'm very interested in what happens after he dies. Oh, yeah. That's, I don't know. I think there's enough of his brothers that right now that are Mm. vocalizing his orders. I have a feeling that someone's doing exactly what he did. Just probably on the outside now. Um, but my favorite, well, not my favorite, the grossest, I think, maybe, <laughs> that is still happening is these heavenly sessions are still happening. <laughs> God. In his honor, they get recorded, smuggled into the jail, and shown to him during their video call, like the in-jail video calls. That is so fucked up. What? <laughs> oh, my God. It's wild to me. Wild. Absolutely wild. He's a disgusting pervert, honestly. Disgusting. And mm-hmm. I don't believe Naomi's little innocent act with in regards to that stuff. I think she was very, very involved mm-hmm. in the sexual stuff that he was doing when he was on the outside. And she would probably still be involved right. now if he didn't divorce her and excommunicate her. Yeah. I think she absolutely was a lot more involved than people think she was i think she had i think she was smart and i think she probably helped guide him in certain places to avoid detection and things like that and if she was able to maintain being a favorite wife with him in jail she never would have left but once she went back to the community she was shunned by the rest of the family all the other mothers the children like People didn't want to be around her because I think both they blamed her for their prophet being in jail, but also like she probably came back feeling very righteous in a way of mm. I was the favorite and I know all this stuff and I was with him and expected like a warm welcome and didn't get that. Definitely not. I wish I could give her truth serum and talk to her about what happened back then and her oh, thoughts on it now. Because she's still so... She's a closed book. She's not telling mm-hmm. a lot. Yeah. There's so many things that she, during the Preaching Evil documentary, she was asked. She's like, I'm not going to comment on that. Because she knows if she does, she opens it to her being found guilty of something. Yeah. Well, I think she was, at the very least, involved and complicit in the sexual abuse of her 12-year-old sister, and that mm-hmm. she should go to prison for. But, I mean, that's alleged. Yeah. I don't know. I wasn't there. I wasn't scribed. Right. And also, I have a theory that I think she was present for the wedding of uh, the 14-year-old to the 19-year-old as well, mm-hmm. because... She was described. She documented everything. She went everywhere. And women in that community aren't seen. Like she could have, she was probably present taking notes about what happened. And no one even put it together that she was there because you are to be seen and not heard. So if Warren's there performing a wedding, there's arguments because you don't want to get married, yada, yada. She's just sitting in a corner. There's no way in my mind that she wasn't present for that. She definitely knew, and she also definitely knew that Elisa hated her cousin and did not want to marry him. 
I think she was mm-hmm. aware of everything and present for many things. She's kind of so my question for you. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Is what do you think the community is going to do now? So reality is he's up for parole at 83, but the chance of getting out is a big question mark. He could be let out, don't get me wrong, but also him making it that far is slim. Um, What do you think the community is gonna do as he's still in jail, kind of to grow and build because they have all these restrictions. They're working so hard to get him out. Do you think that someone's gonna take over? Do you think that they'll die out? What are your thoughts? So I think those are pretty much the two options is that they will either die out or someone else will take over. And I think what you said before about Warren's brothers, some of them might usurp power. And I think if one of them, especially if Warren dies, um, that would actually probably be the best thing that could happen for the FLDS because I think one of his brothers, best and worst, because one of his brothers would probably take over and they would probably be able to change the rules into a way that makes them a functional society again. Because if, if you can't get new members, then your existing members are going to age and eventually die and the group will burn out. So I think unless a new prophet comes in and changes a lot of rules and dynamics, I think they'll die out. And I think, you know, a lot of people have left and joined other faiths, other sects of Mormonism or have left and renounced it completely. And I think that will continue to happen. But I think the people who are there now are pretty diehard. Oh, absolutely. And I totally agree. I think the people that are still there, either they are just so conditioned or they haven't had as much like trauma from like a family being ripped apart or knowing someone that something bad happened to like maybe those ones live in a little bit more of a bubble it's the older people the ones that don't feel the confidence to be able to leave on their own right um but one thing about them dying out is since he has been incarcerated he did make that rule that you can't have marital relations but what he also started doing is implementing seed spreaders right where he has a like select group of men his brothers and a couple other people of power that are allowed to more or less breed with wives not only their wives but other men's wives in order to get them pregnant and continue growing the population and there's rumors of people smuggling out warren jeff's sperm in order to impregnate his wives and if they come out as pregnant it's because again he is the true prophet and he is god therefore it will be continued so it's interesting that if that is true ew (laughs) so that my mind immediately goes to inbreeding and how that is already wreaking havoc on this group and will only worsen. Mm-hmm. And I mean, if we go enough generations, they'll probably sterilize themselves because there's going to be so much inbreeding. And it, especially if it's not documented the way that it had been previously, um, which I'm not really sure how their record keeping looks these days, but 
they may not be writing the true fathers if these are if this is like a mission that's being performed by certain men but that these women are actually married to someone else depending on whose name is recorded as the child's father i think that's going to cause a lot of confusion and a lot of accidental inbreeding mm-hmm. and i think that's going to be a huge topic and you have smaller groups that we'll talk about in future episodes like the kingston clan yeah that in order to keep that from happening and causing issues they do blood tests to see who you're allowed to marry in your own family to prevent sterilization and be birth defects and stuff like that i'll be curious if the flcs starts doing that same thing they probably are already looking they probably have the same concern and are looking into solutions for it and there are blood tests that you can do but it would not it would just show how much of your dna is going to overlap it's not going to say that no problems will arise with that so it's still going to be right it's still a lot of risks and in these groups where medication and hospitals and testing and all these things are kind of not the norm for them i think it makes it even scarier about what the potential outcomes could be um i mean i would prefer if they just all died at a ripe old age and stopped having new members come in at all but i think they're gonna have very small generations and eventually will peter out or one of his brothers will realize he's the prophet I wonder if he'll, ooh, what if one of the brothers tries to claim prophet while Warren's in jail? Hmm. He was not the true prophet. Oof. That would be an interesting one. I mean, I could see it happening. It's just going to be kind of a tough sell. Because it's like, what have we been doing all this time then if he wasn't the prophet? That's what makes it so difficult to question anything because if you question anything, you question everything. And then you realize that right. it's all been pointless. It could threaten the entire yeah. thing. That's yeah. a good point. I think they well, need to wait for I that. Think, yeah, they might not have a choice. Yeah. I don't think he's ever going to get out. I know he's eligible in 38, but I don't think he's actually going to get released. I think he'll either die in prison or they'll keep him there. Um, on some kind of ineligibility for parole. Um, But also him living till 83 in that system is very slim. So I'm not sure. Well, I like this rendition of a mother. It's a little bit of a different avenue that we've taken in the past. Yeah. Although if you think about it, she has more kids than anybody else we've talked about. She has like 120 something. And in this religion, wow. if your husband has children, they are your children. It doesn't matter because mm-hmm. you have so many wives and all of the children are your mutual children. So, she, And the children refer to you as mother. You're yeah. Mother Sarah, Mother Naomi. Mother Naomi. Mother was married to two prophets and mm-hmm. became her own. Well, what is it called when you marry your husband's son? 
Like, okay, so she married her step, <laughs> she married her son because Warren is one of her children as well. So she married her son. Mm-hmm. So she became her own sister, mother-in-law. Your I don't even mo- know. Your own mother-in-law. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think so because Close. she, yeah, she is her own mother-in-law. So not only is she a mother, dinner easy, but she's a mother-in-law to her. She is her own mother-in-law. Oh yeah. Can you imagine having to explain that to like your her mainstream husband if she ever does get married again? No, I was trying to look at her family tree, and it's so complicated. There's so many arrows. There's so many giant sections of things, and it's like incomprehensible. Her family is crazy and this is very hard to explain to outside people i mean i have been indoctrinated through a lot of flds survivor memoirs over the years i've probably read all of them um and i I Mm -hmm. love any kind of documentary about polygamy i just find it really really interesting um flds is you know a special favorite for sure um and i think the reason like we did this one first too is to understand the FLDS kind of gives you that background on where the rest of them came from. Cause there's so many offsets now that each of them have similar beliefs, but very different, but they're all connected at some point to the FLDS. Yes. And I think the FLDS is um, a comparison point that a lot of other groups use. Oh, we're not as bad as the FLDS. So I think it's it is important right. to understand a little bit of the dynamics within this community. Oh, I totally agree. Well, any final thoughts for Miss Mother Naomi? I don't think so, but it'll be interesting to see, you know, her nursing career and what she does in the future. Yeah, we'll have to keep an eye on what is next and yeah. if Warren ever does get out. Oh my goodness. He's got 10 years to go. Well, I hope he doesn't, but I guess we'll see. Lovely chatting with you. Well, lovely chatting and I will talk to you soon. All right. Bye.